Uh, I was at um, the Vandenberg Stovall uh, Raymer uh, house uh, earlier this week um, visiting Betty, um, who we lost, heaven gained this week. Um, but uh, baby Nova was there. And, you know, we haven't seen each other very much throughout these last couple years because it seems like somebody's either had COVID or getting COVID or getting over COVID and, you know, just kind of keeping our distance. And so I haven't seen a lot of baby Nova. Um, Betty's great, great, great grand, not great, 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 great granddaughter. But um, she gets down the floor and she just starts walking across the floor, um, exploring her newfound skills. And it's, it's just such a beautiful thing. Um, to, to watch kids grow up. We've got a, a little guy in our life now. His name's Israel, and uh, we get to see him about once every four to six weeks or, or so. And, you know, at three, four years old, every four to six weeks, it's like, it's like a different kid every time. And every time he's, you know, swimming farther or, or, or talking more or, um, you know, developing new skills. And, and it's, it's just, it's so energizing, and it's, it's so fun, and it's, it's so beautiful to see uh, kids grow to, to, to develop that way. And when they don't, it sends up red flags, right? If our kids aren't doing the things that we kind of expect that they're going to do, it's like we're, we're going to the doctor and we're saying, hey, is there something wrong? Is there a problem? Is this normal? Is, is there something we need to do? Or is this, you know, do we just need to wait and, and watch and pray? How do we deal with it when it's not growing? Growth is normal. It's natural. It's not something that we manipulate. We can make to happen. We can create an environment for it to happen that, that nurtures it, but we can't make it. It's natural. And, and we expect it to happen. In the same way that children grow up and, and we watch them and teach them and train them and encourage them and you know, pick them up and, and clean off their knees when they fall down, in the same way that, that kids grow up, Jesus said the faith journey begins with being born again. Flesh gives birth to the flesh. We're born from the womb. But the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. And when the Spirit gives birth, birth to the Spirit, it begins a new spirit life that grows up. Paul talks about this church, this growth, in his letter to the church in Ephesus. He says, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then Paul continues, we will no longer be infants, because we've grown up, tossed back and forth in the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the coming and craft, cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
Paul says that the role of the leaders in the church, the pastors and the teachers, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to equip the saints for this process of growing, of maturation. The, the word that we use to talk about this process, we, we got from Jesus, who called to himself disciples and equipped them for the ministry that, was, that, that lay ahead, is discipleship. Discipleship is to discipline your life after your master. The, the master of the Christian faith, those who follow Jesus, is Jesus. So disciplining our, our lives. And Paul says that this maturation process, this discipleship, it builds up the body of Christ. It leads to unity in the church. It grows our knowledge of Jesus. It grows us into the fullness of Christ. The maturity stabilizes our, us, protects us from false teaching. We grow as the body under the headship of Jesus. The whole body, the church, grows as each person finds their place of service and ministry and offers it. We're beginning a journey today in which we're going to look at this development process and where we are individually and where we are collectively in the process. And then out of that, and looking at our situation and looking at how we're growing, look at some prescriptions. What are some things that we can do to create an environment in which we grow as we were naturally meant to grow, naturally intended to grow? With the objective of becoming more faith-filled, growing up in the fullness of Christ, and fruitful, followers of Jesus. God, as we begin this journey together, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit on your church, here at the journey, on, on churches that we're partnering together with throughout our community around us, on our online audience who's watching from different places in, in the country and, and even in the world, for those of us who are gathered here today, for those who are gathered in, in family rooms and in living rooms, um, in our small groups, God, would you pour out your spirit on every person and every context to continue the good work that you've, been, you've begun in us toward completion, that our lives might but fulfill our calling and bear fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask a couple questions today. The first one begins around this idea. If growth is so important to our spirit life, if growth is so important to the body of Christ, how do we measure it? How, how do we know if we're growing? Right? When, when we have kids, we have like three-month appointment and six-month appointment and one-year appointment and two-year appointment. And every year, we, all these appointments, we take them in and they, they measure their height and they measure their weight and they measure their head and do all, you know, check their eyes and ears to, to see if, it's, if the child is, is growing according to the record. And, and every time you go, they say, well, your child's in the 70th percentile of height and the you know, 45th percentile of weight. And if, if you're at the top end or the bottom end, they might say you need to, you know, you need to feed them a little more or feed them a little less to, how do we measure 
growth in our spiritual life? How do we know if we're growing as a disciple? I kind of, I can do my own faith journey, tell you some of the ways that, that we do this. When, when I was um, knee-high to a grasshopper, uh, I grew up in Sunday school, and we measured our growth by, by Sunday school attendance and by scripture memory. And um, if you attended uh, every, uh, every um, Sunday, you got this little pin up here that you can see on the screen. The, the inside, right, is, the, is one year of Sunday school, and then you get the wreath on the outside for your second year, and then you get bars for each year after that. Measured attendance. If you were going to Sunday school all the time, you, you had to be growing. And then scripture memory. And if we completed our scripture memory, then we got a Bible. For, 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 um, for learning all the memory verses, this is my first Bible. You can see that it is a holy Bible. I wish I could say it was because I wore it out, but I think it just got really, really old. Even in 1972, the King James Version was really, really hard to read. Um, but that's what we had at that point in time. These were our measures of growth. As I got into my high school years, the measure of growth became what I would call sin management. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do, right? Be, be like, don't do the bad things, don't do wrong things. And if you're not doing the wrong things and doing the right things, then you're becoming a more mature disciple. And if you're doing the wrong things, you're, becoming, you're not growing in your faith. When I got into my college years, I got into some ministries that were very outreach-oriented. And the measure of our maturity was, are we sharing our faith with other people? Are we reaching out in the name of Jesus? And the, the kind of the, the theme first was, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And if you weren't ashamed of the gospel, then you were a mature Christian and you were reaching out to other people and telling them about your faith and inviting them to become Christians. And if you were ashamed of your faith, then you were immature in your faith. And I would like to say that it was really about loving other people and wanting them to know Jesus, but it was really about not being ashamed so that I could be mature. Later on, it became about the daily quiet time. You were a good Christian if you had a track record of, you know, 72 days in a row of waking up in the morning and, and reading your Bible and praying, and if you were really, really holy, then journaling. And, and doing that day after day after day was the sign of maturity. Later on, added some of the spiritual disciplines, worship, fellowship, giving. If you were a super saint, things like Fasting, solitude, silence, helping the least of these. All these things were, were things that we used at, that I've used at different points in my life to, to measure my spiritual growth. And I think a lot of people, it's just simply this. Am I becoming a better person? If, I, if I'm becoming a better person, if I'm becoming a better husband or better wife, if I'm be, becoming a better human being, a better citizen, a better student, if I'm, you know, if I'm becoming a better person, then, then I'm growing in my faith. And all these things can be a part of a spiritual development process, maybe even essential to growing spiritually. But they can also fuel legalism, a, a, a spiritual pride and elegance and arrogance, right? I am spiritual because look at me. I've memorized all the verses that we had to know by the time we were in sixth grade. I'm spiritual because I've had my quiet time for 72 days in a row and go to church every Sunday and, and give my offering. 
without actually having a relationship with God through Jesus. And Paul challenges this idea that we can do spiritual things and become spiritual people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we call it the love chapter. He says, you can like, have all the knowledge in the world. You can memorize the whole Bible. But if you don't love, you're just making noise. You can give everything you have and sacrifice your body to the flames in the, in the name of Jesus. But if you're not doing it in the name of love, you're not following Christ. Jesus consistently challenged the Pharisees for their self-righteousness. It's that posture of, I'm holy because I'm doing these things, that turns many people off to the Christian faith. Because people look at us and think that we are holier than thou. It's the, it's the kind of mindset that, that has produced um, the bumper sticker, Jesus, save me from your people. Love, Jesus says. Spiritual maturity is to love as I have loved you. A new commandment, Jesus says, I give you. Love was part of the old commandment. The new part was do it the way I I have done it for you. Are we loving more like Jesus? And because we're loving more like Jesus, are we looking more like Jesus? In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit, and the, the Spirit is like the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. It's what takes root in our lives. It's what, it gives us new life in Christ. Jesus walked and lived in the power of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the thing that makes us like Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the measure of spiritual maturity of growth. Well, okay, if it's that, that's, those things describe what Jesus was like. We're becoming like Jesus by the power of the Spirit, right? Well, how do, how do we grow fruit then? How do we grow the fruit of the Spirit? In John chapter 15, Jesus says, remain in me. Unite with me. Fellowship with me. Connect with me. Stay with me. And you will bear fruit. You'll produce this fruit in your life if you're walking and living in an intimate fellowship and communion with me. And apart from me, apart from this relationship, apart from this connection, Jesus says, you will accomplish nothing. We produce fruit by remaining in Christ. Well, then how do we do that? How do we remain in Christ? Over the next eight weeks, we're going to look at seven markers of spiritual maturity. I'm going to go through the list. When, you, when I go through the list, you're going to see a lot of the things that I talked about when I talked about the things, the ways that we have used them as measures. But these spiritual markers 
are not mean. They're not an end. Right? It's not when I've done this, I've arrived. It's the things that we do to create the environment for spiritual growth in our lives as a means to the end of becoming and growing in the likeness of Christ. Practicing these disciplines toward becoming more loving, more joyful, more peace-filled, more patient, kind, and good. The seven spiritual markers that we'll look at. The first one is, is Bible engagement. Learning to know Scripture. To follow the teachings of Scripture. And to learn from the, the life of those who have gone before us and how they walked with God and how God met them on their journey in sickness and in health, in good times and bad times. Learning the Scriptures and growing in them. The second marker, passionate prayer, increasing our ability to talk with God, to listen to God, and to pray together with other followers of Jesus, to seek God together. The third marker, wholehearted worship. Not, I went to church 52 Sundays this year, a heart for worship to know God, to love God, a heart that are what comes from our lips is what's in our heart. Humble service, extending acts of kindness and service to others in the name of Jesus, with the love of Jesus. The fifth marker, joyful generosity recognizing that everything that we have is a gift from God and sharing those gifts, those blessings, generously with those around us. The sixth is consistent community. Loving God's people, loving God's family, and connecting with them on a regular basis, encouraging one another. And the last one, organic outreach. Sharing the good news of Jesus is a part of the normal flow of our lives. One of the greatest indicators of growth and spiritual maturity is the, the heart of God growing in us, that our hearts are touched by the things that touch God's heart, that our hearts are broken by the things that break God's heart. Jesus in his mission came, to, came and said, I have come to seek and to save the lost because for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish in, but have eternal life. That God's heart is to reach the lost and the broken, the captive. And that when we grow in Christ, our heart for people who are far from God grows and is expressed in our love for other people and reaching out. There's a, a tool on the Church Center app that I'm going to encourage you to take advantage of. It's called, um, it's called a 
organic disciple assessment. And it's a, it's a set of questions, and it, it questions around each of these seven markers. You can access it on our Church Center app. If a few of you are still having trouble with the Church Center app, if you're having trouble, you can find it on organicdisciples.org, organicdisciples.org. I want you to, to take this assessment today, and I don't want you to look at it and say, oh, I'm, a, you know, I'm not mature, I, am, I just want you to look at it and say, hey, these are some questions that are helping me as a diagnosis for how I'm doing with these different areas and growing in these areas can help me grow in Christ-likeness, which I think can become a, a tool that you'll use um, personally and with your small groups as we go through each of these assessments. So do the organic disciple assessment this week at some point. Church Center app, you can access it, or on organicdisciples.org. So the, the first question I, I want to um, wrestle with this morning is, how do we know if we're a growing disciple? The, the second question is this. Is discipleship more than me and Jesus? Is discipleship something that I do in my closet by myself every day, but doesn't really have any connection beyond that? When God gave the law to Moses, we have this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses writes, these are the commands, decrees, and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God, and as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. God speaks to the people through Moses and says this reverence for God, it's something that's received and passed down from generation to generation. My family story, Deb's family story, we both grew up in families where our grandparents loved and worshipped God and taught our parents to do the same. And our parents loved and worshipped God and taught us to do the same. And we loved and worshipped God and taught our children to do the same and hope and pray that they will do the same. I hear a lot of people say throughout the course of my life, I'm going to let my kids find their own way when it comes to faith. I'm not going to impose my beliefs on them. And if faith is a smorgasbord of belief systems, and we can pick and choose from among them, or even pick and choose pieces from each of them, I think that makes sense. But imagine the people that Moses spoke these words to. The people who had been in Egypt, in bondage and in slavery, and God delivered them with the ten plagues out of Egypt. And then they went out into the wilderness and God took them through the Red Sea. And then after the Red Sea, God gave them manna in the desert to provide for their daily needs. 
Can you imagine them saying, you know what? I'm not going to tell my kids those stories. I'm going to let them figure it out for themselves. If God is a dynamic, active part of our lives, then is it not something that we would pass on to the next generation and the next generation? And maybe you would say, well, yeah, but I wasn't there for the ten plagues. And I didn't cross the Red Sea. I've never seen God do anything like that. What is the gospel that we profess? That we were in bondage to sin. And slavery to it. And delivered. That we passed from death to life. Signed and signified by our baptism going down into the water just like Israel went through the Red Sea and coming up out of the water to new life. We experience God's presence and his provision in our lives every day. It's a dynamic part of our life. Do we not share our journey with the next generation? Paul was equipping his young charge, Timothy, to lead the church And he says this in his letter to Timothy, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Entrusting to others what you have learned from me is discipleship. And Paul, in his his letter to Timothy, this is not just a family thing. It's not just a biological family thing. It is a spiritual family thing. The discipleship that Paul is writing to Timothy about spans four levels of maturation across four generations. Levels of maturity. Paul. A mature person who is ahead of Timothy in his faith journey reaches down and takes Timothy's hand and says, walk with me. And he says to Timothy, I want you to reach down and I want you to grab somebody who's younger in the faith. I want you to grab their hand and invite them to walk with you. So we have Paul. We have Timothy, and we have the person whose hands are people that Timothy's hands is, is taking hold of. And, and then he says, and Timothy, the people that you're calling to walk along with you, you equip them, you train them, you call them to reach down and take the hand of somebody who's younger in the faith and have them walk with you on this journey. And this process is the reason that anyone who is following Jesus today is following Jesus. Because Paul equipped Timothy, who equipped reliable people, who equipped others, who equipped others, who equipped others, that leads to all of us knowing and having a relationship with God for those of us who walk with him. Just me and Jesus. 
crosses generational boundaries, bi biologically, spiritually. Our family tree is one generation from extinction. If I don't equip you, it ends, unless somebody else does. I'm your pastor. I'm called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You're the saints. You may not like that title, but it is what it is. It's what Paul called you. If I don't do it, it dies. If I do it but don't equip you to do it with others, it ends. If I equip you and you equip others, but they don't equip others, it ends. One generation from extinction. Before the ascension, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. When Jesus gave this command, he was standing on a, on a mountainside in Galilee with 11 men who were from the northern part of Israel. 11 people. He was launching an international ministry that was to bring the good news to the whole world, to the ends of the earth starting with 11 Jewish men from Israel. Think about it. To fulfill this commandment, they would have to cross geographical boundaries. They couldn't stay where they were and get it to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says that it would move from Jerusalem out to Judea and then to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It would have to cross geographical boundaries. It would have to cross faith boundaries because these were Jewish men who believed that Jesus was Messiah, but they were going to be reaching out to Jewish people who were not believing that Jesus was Messiah. And then beyond the Jewish people, they're going to be reaching out to Gentiles who believed in a multitude of gods. They were going to have to cross faith boundaries to carry out the mission. They would have to cross ethnic boundaries because it was going out to every tribe and tongue and nation. It couldn't be just the people who were like them. It was going to have to be people different from them, from different cultures, speaking different languages. And it was have to, have to cross the boundary of time, right? He says, always, I'll be with you till the very end of the age. So it's going to have to be a first century version of this, and a second century version, and a 10th century version, and a 19th century version, and a 21st century version, taking the same message but repackaging it to be effective in reaching the next generation and new cultures as they, as they develop. Discipleship reaches across boundaries to meet those who don't know Christ. We typically call that evangelism. Sharing the good news. The church essentially has divided this call that the disciples were given into what I'd say are, are three committees. We have the evangelist committee. They're the go team. You know, get out there and tell people about Jesus. 
And the discipleship committee, they're the grow team, help people grow, develop in their faith. And the missions committee, and they're the go and grow team, but they do it on the other side of the world. And everybody's like, you're either on the evangelism team, or you're on the discipleship team, or you're on the missions team. When we separate these, this calling that Jesus has given his disciples, we do it at the expense of our growing and people knowing. People, disciples who just go but don't disciple produce Christians who don't grow. Disciples who don't go become Christians who don't grow to maturity. Because this is a quote from Kevin Arney who wrote the book that we're using for this series, Organic Disciples. It says, true evangelism will always demand more discipleship in our lives, in the local church. True discipleship always leads us into the world with Jesus on his mission. Earlier in my life in ministry, we lived in Indianapolis, and we were um, doing a church plant. And every Sunday, we would um, load up um, Dev's guitar and an overhead projector and drag our three kids out of the house, rushing to church. Um, I was always, I'm like an early as on time, on time latest person. Deb is like a get there on time and everything's cool person. And if we're a couple minutes late, we did our best to get there on time. And so I'm like, we're walking out the door and I'm like mad and she's mad at me because I'm mad at her and, and we're dragging the kids along. And one day, I don't know which of us, you know, discovered it, but it's like, if anybody's watching us, why in the world would anybody want to join us in this? Why would anybody want to be a part of what we're doing? Because we don't even want to be a part of it. We were long on evangelism, on reaching people, because there was nobody in our church. So if we didn't reach new people, like we were by ourselves there, we were planting a, a new church. So we were long on evangelism, but at a point in my life, I was deficit in my discipleship. I wasn't doing the things to help me grow in my faith, to live my life in such a way that I was giving a witness to the world of loving my wife and loving my kids and being joyful in worship and in service that anybody else would want to be a part of. I needed more discipleship to be a better evangelist. But we also need better evangelism, engaging, because it drives our discipleship. It goes both ways. I'm going to emphasize, in closing, the word organic. Right? We're, we're not talking this, this, through this series about cold calling or knocking on people's doors and sharing the four spiritual laws with them. Not that those are bad things to do. That's just not what we're doing. Right? I'm talking about normal, natural relationships that we have together with each other and growing together and normal, natural relationships that we have with family and friends and neighbors and coworkers that out of the context of this relationship, that we're just sharing our story and journey of faith. Natural, person-to-person, life-to-life. 
one of my favorite passages is um, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he said, we shared with you not only the good news, but our very lives. We are doing life together and sharing Jesus out of the context of doing life together. Here's our definition of discipleship. Discipleship happens anytime one person helps another person walk closer toward Jesus or deeper with the Savior. Discipleship happens anytime one person helps another person grow closer to Jesus or deeper in their relationship with him. We're going to do it together, which is why I'm going to appeal to you again. If you're not in a small group already, we'd love for you to not take this journey alone. Do it with some other people. You can help them grow, and you will grow together with them. And at the end of the day, we all become more faithful, faith-filled, fruitful disciples of Jesus. Let's do it together. Talk to me after, because groups start this week. Some groups are starting today. We need to act now to get you in a group and ready to go. Our online viewers, uh, we have an, uh, um, an online group. We're going to do it through Zoom. It's going to be on uh, Wednesdays. So if you would like to be a part of that group, please um, send me an email message. You can sign up on the, um, uh, the Church Center app and join that group. Uh, currently, we have people from uh, three time zones that are going to be a part of the group. And so we're trying to make it work for people that live in multiple places. But it's going to be fun. We're going to do it together. Let's take this journey together. Lord, thank you that um, you never quit on us. You promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. That all of us are on a journey. And we're all at different places on that journey. And, And some of us might be far from even believing anything about Jesus. And maybe some of us have been walking with Jesus for for decades and decades and decades. And maybe we've been walking for decades and and we're still really immature in our faith because we've never really been intentional about creating an environment of growth and doing the things that help us grow. I pray this would be a, a turning point in our faith journey. Maybe we've been doing the things, but, but as, an, as an, an end and not a means to a deeper relationship. Or you heal that, that process that we might become more intimate, more fruitful in our lives. Maybe some of us are, are sitting right on the edge and, and we're hearing this and, and we believe and we don't believe and we're trying to figure it out and try and understand it. Lord, I pray that through this process, there will come a clarity and an understanding that connection that would lead to transformation. Wherever we are, Lord, I pray that you would move the needle in our lives and our spiritual maturity through these next eight weeks as we journey together. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.